Hello everyone, this is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun and experiences while living in different culture. Today we have a new guest. Hi Elena. Hi. How are you doing? All good? I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Also good, thank you. And it was kind of long planning to meet and talk to you. Um, you mentioned that list of the countries where you lived, and I'm quite um, curious and excited to hear those stories. It's quite, for me, impressive. Um, maybe you can start and tell us a bit uh, what is your home country and then the first experience of moving to another country. How was it for you? How was the start of your, of your journey I'd say that probably for me, the definition of a home country is different from others. So for me, the home country is definitely the one where I am, which is Switzerland. My original home country is Estonia. This is where I was born and I grew up. Um, but now it's been close to like half a life that I haven't been living there. So, you know, the lines are really blurring um, in the definition of what, what home really is. So yeah, I was still a teenager when I decided that... Um, I'd love to spend some time abroad. So I did part of my studies in the Austrian University. I was back in the psychology program at that point. And I really thought that it would be much more interesting and exciting to have the experience of studying and living abroad as a part of my training. So this is what first incentivized me to leave Estonia for a bit. Yeah. yeah and then I went back. Didn't last very long, though. I finished my degree and off I went together with my ex-partner to Australia. So that was supposed to be just like a working holiday trip. Okay. But we both got jobs within the first few days and <laughs> and it never um, turned into the holiday um, trip at all. So that was just um, an immersion into the work life on a different continent. But it was fun as well. Okay. How did you choose Austria? Were there some criteria? to choose Austria. Austria. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Austria, I guess, was primarily uh, for the sake of the university. So university played, the choice of the university played a really important role. I really wanted to find out how they teach psychology in Carl Franzen's university. So that definitely was a major decision-making process, a major factor in the decision-making process. But of course, um, there was another factor involved as well. My original plan was actually to study in Germany. So I did a lot of German courses prior to starting my um, original program. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to improve my German skills. Yeah, and Austria also, German speaks. Uh, yeah. Yes, but I didn't know that, I didn't realize perhaps at that point that I was going to be such a strong dialect that I would be able to understand very little, <laughs> you know, in Steiermark and in that particular part of Austria. Good luck. Just like following the lectures. I was in big trouble for the most part. <laughs> okay. Except language. What was different? Was there anything cultural difference or? Yeah, pretty much everything. Probably it's like, it's easier to list a few similarities um, because everything um, that I can possibly think of right now was so, so, so different. You know, I guess uh, even with the scholarship, uh, the difference was the prices. Like I had to really learn to adapt to an environment where things cost a very yeah. different amount from um, place I'm originally from. So that was a major shock factor. But also the way that people relate to each other, the way that build friendships, the way that they, you know, connect and and how exactly they interact. You know, a lot of things were different. The university system, like it's just one big 
culture shock and, <laughs> <laughs> and just like a major leap into the unknown um, while still being a teen you know that was not easy but for sure that has prepared me for a lot of future transitions um, yeah. based on that job experience. I've heard that there would be like students from other countries it's usually in campus it's it's interesting and it's more diverse so it's easy to be you know when many people not local they kind of go together and stay as a group and support each other was it also like that for you yes 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 and actually one of the things that I realized very early on living in Austria specifically is that um the locals were not so eager to embrace their international friends they actually used to hang out more with other Austrians mm-hmm. so it was actually like a wall that you couldn't really break into at, okay well like this is how I felt anyway so they had a very like well protected community of um, of Austrian students and they wouldn't really mix so much with internationals so that was really a surprise because that was that was not the case in my home university at all we were curious about the foreigners we were actually like more excited to have foreigner friends than um, fellow Estonians but it was the other way around where I was in okay. Graz and so yeah I ended up hanging out most of the time with international community of exchange students yeah how was then Austria um sorry Australia after Austria Australia was like another level of culture shock okay so it's, it's like developing another step of okay yeah that, that more courage for sure because first of all um you move in so much better away from your family like you know it was kind of I did that in increments so <laughs> from Austria like if If the worst came to the worst, I could still crawl back. Or walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Australia was another level of culture challenge um, because it's just so far away. You know, living there, um, you just realize it's a little bit like living on the moon. Like you can't just, you know, book a flight and go back home, especially as a young adult. It's so expensive. It's such a big commitment in terms of the time. Yeah. Um, if you want to see a family, then most probably you won't have any other holiday that year because you'll have to like really bash the time to be able to make the flight worth it you know the minimum of 24 hours once yeah it's not it's not the weekend trip right it's not going to be a weekend trip <laughs> not not even a week trip it's probably going to be like closer to three four weeks so that it's worth getting over the jet lag <laughs> the first two weeks is sleep during the day <laughs> and you're completely fresh during the night yeah. so like that that was you know the distance was much more major than i realized Okay. But yeah, of course, like other things also came into um, into play living in Australia. Yeah, um, I've never been to Australia. What what scares me about being there is all these uh, spiders, huge ones oh. and snails when they show these shows when people leave the boots outside falling <laughs> and then you need to really check each boot if someone leaves there after night yeah. or something. I don't know. 100% true and then uh, unfortunately I didn't have those uh, people in my life like you do who told me about that so I had to learn the hard way stepping into the creepy crawlies <laughs> really you had such a cases yeah even like even living in a very civilized area of the city you know you get so many visitors yeah the worst was probably when I had a deadly spider um next to my bedside once uh, that That was probably one of the closest I came to. <laughs> How <laughs> to did it end, ended up? Well, first of all, obviously, like we got really shocked to discover that. And I just finished, like literally a few days before that discovery, I just finished my um, first aid course. 
and I had like a picture of that particular spider on my fridge. And you prepared? Like, I'm pretty sure it's the one. I'm pretty sure it's the funnel web spider, and I'm pretty sure that's the female um, because it's really large, and that's the one who's deadly that can pretty much kill you within 15 minutes with oh. its venom. So <laughs> you don't have a lot of time to get to the hospital to have yourself rescued. So. <laughs> When we found this creature, um, we both freaked out, like me and my former partner um, that I lived together with. So we're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to call the fire brigade? And that was like on the sixth floor of an apartment block in the city, you know? Yeah, it was close to the park, but you still don't see this kind of things happening when <laughs> you live in the city. <laughs> okay. So that was pretty scary. But we managed to vacuum it into a can cleaner. <laughs> no! <laughs> now we closed the, the end of the, you know, of the, um, of the vacuum cleaner so it doesn't crawl out of its stool. <laughs> it was not breaking. <laughs> oh, no, I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, they should be huge. They're huge, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's just so big that it's hard to believe it's real. It just looks like it's a plastic toy. Like, it can't be, it can't be for real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the one moment of uh, Australia that I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be there. Yeah. Um, except special creatures living there. How would you say the people with communication and welcoming people, or generally like communication with people from abroad? How is it there? How was it for you? That was interesting. Yeah, like on one on the one hand, um, I found that um, Aussies were like really really open and very communicative and super friendly and just like the way that they would establish contact with someone new was quite different from many European countries and particularly you know coming from a fairly Nordic part of Europe it takes time before like someone says hi and we don't talk that much I guess <laughs> but in Australia it was like whoa like so many people just you know just start talking to you a little bit like the states you know they start talking to you they they ask you a lot of questions you know it's, it's so easy to establish new contacts but then you know that the tricky part was that um often after that initial contact was established and you start to like you start to communicate with that person you start to kind of feel like you maybe are becoming friends after a while I found it really difficult to get past that like superficial level of acquaintance okay and to really talk about deeper things or like really personal things because like it, it seems like for many Australians that was almost like a little bit intimidating get really close as friends like they would try to keep a more superficial level of friendship yeah so the first level is kind of easy to go yeah. in and then there is a stop yeah. yeah so that was kind of you know the exact opposite of what I grew up with yeah. where the original like the initial contact would be you know would take forever to happen but when you really start building a connection of friendship with someone you You don't have, you know, you don't have that um, glass ceiling. You don't have that that endpoint past which you can't move. Like yeah. it just deepen and deepen and deepen um, that that friendship that you have, and it has no end. It can just evolve and blossom into something beautiful. Whereas in Australia, I found that that only happened with uh, fellow Europeans, but not so much with Australians. Yeah, I think we we have more or less um, the same cultural backgrounds with this point because Russians are also the same they perceive sometimes cold and not smiling and whatever but it's exactly the first point which you need to yeah. go through and then it's 
once you build a brand, I think with with a Russian, with North European, with Scandinavian, for that matter, you know, it's usually like a friend for life. But it does take time, you know, and it doesn't happen overnight. Like those friendships really sometimes take many years to build. You can continue to deepen that over the years, over the decades, you know. And I found that some of my Australian friendships withered when I was no longer there, or like when I was no longer like you know putting all my effort into developing those friendships. Like a few stayed, but most of them did not uh, stand the test of time. But also, if we move, it's kind of hard to make that on a distance also, because everybody are so in this whirlpool of everyday life and troubles, sure. problems, whatever. Yeah. So um, it's hard to stay close when you're far away. Yeah. yeah. Takes energy and takes effort from both sides, I guess. You know? Yeah. So not a one-way street. I'm also curious to hear about Denmark, because mm. I think... Generally, I don't meet a lot of people who live there or live still. So I would be really curious to hear how I was going in there and starting building life there. Yeah. And what's the cultural difference of the Denmark? Mm-hmm. Well, I really, first of all, I really felt like I did build a life there. You know, it was not just in and out. And that's probably just like one of two countries at Switzerland and Denmark that's the two countries where I really feel like I put my all into building a life there creating a life there and in the beginning that was not the plan I was only supposed to be there for six months but with the end of my relationship in Australia I decided that uh, it was not my intention to go back and I really wanted to stay in Denmark longer and explore explore what that why Denmark then originally that was um, a place where I wanted to study so I studied there it was planned to for the first six months but I ended up studying there for a year okay. I do music as well so that was the place where I want, always wanted to go to study the vocal technique and then other aspects of music so this is where my teachers were originally trained and oh, okay. it was a long-standing dream so I, th- I felt if I don't do that I'll regret it for the rest of my life so I went there to fulfill my dream and uh, I felt you know upon, even upon like entering Denmark like in the very very beginning Moving there from Sydney was definitely a reshock because you're kind of, you know, <laughs> you're relocating from a place. At that point, uh, it was summer in Australia and winter in Denmark. So I went from 35 degrees to minus 10 centigrade, you know, so that that 45 degree difference was really difficult on the body. Okay. It was not easy to kind of readapt to that European winter. It was one of the like craziest winters that I've ever experienced in Denmark. <laughs> But in terms of the culture, it was like coming back home because immediately like I could just like drop all the filters that I developed in Australia to, you know, to probably fit in better. And the politeness, the different kind of politeness, the different way of relating, not asking very deep questions from the very beginning. You know, I had like I had learned to do all of that while I live in Australia. And then all of a sudden, like I could drop it all because yeah. people are just so straightforward. It was a lot like coming back home. Yeah. You know, that straightforward attitude, that communication that, that they have in Denmark was a lot like actually like going back to Estonia. It didn't feel like other than the language, there were any differences whatsoever. Yeah, I guess that also really helped me fit in. It's an um, interesting word that you use, the filters that we build up. Yeah, It's like a fine tuning. And then I can really feel that you, if you put these filters away, it's kind of rel- relief. It's yeah. like being more yourself, right? Yeah, like it takes no energy to communicate yeah. when you don't have to think about like appropriating yourself to the environment or like making yourself a better fit for where you are. You know, it's yeah. like 
I'm fine here. Like I don't have to try extra hard. It brings me this uh, vision picture when you, when a woman comes home after, you know, after a big party or, you know, like a ball or something and she puts like heels away and she's like, yeah. oh, so nice. And put, uh, you know, like training pants or something, something cozy. And she's like, just breathing out and sitting on a nice couch, not more, you know, you don't need to stand straight or whatever. Like this relief somehow comes into my mind, these filters somehow. Yeah, and then, oh, by the way, you can never be underdressed. You can only be overdressed. So that's... <laughs> Is it so easy with that there? Yeah, oh, you can just, like, you can go to a party wearing your pajama pants and bed hair, and that's no problem. You're probably going to be the most hipster person at that party anyway, so that's another... <laughs> Did they go <laughs> to buy bread in pajamas or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it's fun to try. I you think. could do that in Australia as well, though, but like in certain neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to pay a little bit more attention. Yeah, um, just, put, just put a trench coat on top of pajama and you go. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Denmark was like a breath of fresh air, uh, quite literally as well, because um, going back into Scandinavian climate was probably not my favorite part. But culturally, it was just so much easier that it was worth it. How was then building the community or finding new friends again oh that was the easiest ever really yeah I don't know maybe they just saw me as one of them uh I took a language course early on um not sure I would recommend that because Danish is perhaps the hardest language I've ever had to learn okay like so crazy hard um, can you speak it yeah <laughs> okay. still so I mean yeah. how much do you use it now Well, I still have a lot of my um, a lot of my contacts in Denmark, so okay. it's not something I'm going to be forgetting anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pity if you put time and efforts so some quite specific language and then you don't use it. I, for me, it would be good for the brain, and then just like brain yoga, right? <laughs> brain yoga. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is absolutely brain yoga, or maybe like brain acrobatics engage in the parts of the brain that it didn't know existed <laughs> it's a hard one seriously yeah. but yeah making friends there was no problem at all I just think that you know the social aspect of lives is such a big deal for the Danes they probably value that over all other parts of their lives so there's so many social things going on all the time like you could party probably like every night of the week maybe not in corona but I'm sure they find their ways even to party during corona <laughs> The Danes are just all about being together. There's even a word in Danish that translates, it's called hygge, and that's often translated as coziness, but actually that also relates to spending time with your friends and okay. together and, and connecting, you know, so that's such a big part of the culture and this is where I fit right in, I guess. Yeah, I just wanted to say that maybe it's connected with, uh, you know, this coziness and being together because of cold weather but uh, I don't think it's true because for example in Australia you probably also found lots of parties on the beach and going out together because it's warm so it doesn't matter the, the way yeah. thing yeah. maybe that somehow like that affects the kind of atmosphere that you have at a party which in Australia would be really a lot more anonymous perhaps not necessarily like house parties I think it really takes a lot in Australia to be invited to someone's home Whereas in Denmark, everyone's home is open to everyone in a way. No, okay. Maybe that's exaggeration, but people do host a lot of house parties. And when you're in someone's house, that just fosters a very different kind of connection, I guess. You party very differently in Australia versus in Denmark. And the cold weather does help to kind of, you know, 
Stay closer. <laughs> Stay closer. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point about being invited home. And then I think you're getting closer to people if you're at home because you read more about the person, how the home is and how they behave in their own home nest, whatever yeah. you call. Yeah. So it's, it's going to another level of um, being closer to the person agree with you completely yeah Yeah. and that's something that in my experience really comes very easily to the Danes they are not shying away from opening their their house the home to strangers or friends of friends typically that would probably be friends of friends so when you really have like one circle of close friends in Denmark that immediately expands out to the to the other circles of friends that people have and and all of a sudden like before you know it you have hundreds of new acquaintances and many of them are on their way to become a friend it's like spider nets growing right so yeah that that was an incredible experience you know of of having so many new people in my life within literally just like the first year and then it just grows from there and deepens from there so I'm so grateful to have had that because otherwise I don't think that the time I spent in Denmark would have been the same now you live in Switzerland what was the reason this time so this time, actually, I was not planning on like moving, moving. Um, it was just supposed to be a period of time. And then I wanted to go back to Denmark. I was establishing new partnerships with hotels to run yoga retreats here in Switzerland because I wanted to travel less across continents. For many years, I was a um, traveling yoga teacher and I was traveling all over the world, which was really fun and really exciting and extremely exhausting. Mm-hmm is both a mental and a physical job and when you add the the flight times sometimes very long flight times and the jet lag and the tiredness that comes with it and the change of time zones it suddenly becomes like a really really demanding thing to do I did that for some years and at one point I was like okay I'm just gonna like stay in Europe for a bit to catch my breath and I thought okay if I'm gonna stay in Europe what would be an exciting place for my Danish students to visit because most of my students were days at that time at that point so I thought okay they really don't have the mountains and they love the mountains so how about we start with Switzerland <laughs> and you know and offer them to spend their yoga holidays in Switzerland you know I thought I'm just gonna spend some time there to investigate the different areas different regions different hotels different options yeah before I knew it a few months later I had my first partnerships and they thought that it was an awesome idea so I started coming to the retreat and the Swiss people joined in as well and before I knew it it was probably like longer than a year that I was here and I was slowly but surely starting to become my home and obviously like the climate here is just some awesome it's so much more human friendly than living in Scandinavia that I immediately felt that benefits have been here on my health and well-being and um, as a mountain lover you know it's just offering you an endless terrain to explore for the rest of your life probably and you don't have to travel anyway you know everything is so close the mountains are just like if not outside your house then always within you know within your driving distance you know within an hour's drive or something you can really be in incredible places whichever part of Switzerland you start from so yeah a lot of the great things about this country kind of incentivized me to (laughs) to stay longer and now it's really home thank you for mentioning also in the beginning that home is different definition Mm. sometimes we have several homes also and it's funny to feel home absolutely in different places right so it can be for some people 
home if they, for example, from Australia, would be one home when you raised, one home when you were living many years, you found a new home. So it's something like um, like a snail with a house. Sometimes you sometimes yeah. people just carry their home with them, so they don't have a place. They the home is where they are. It d- differs for many many people. Yeah. Yeah, and I met a few who feel at home everywhere, and that's pretty impressive. I think there's such an incredible capacity that they have to really adapt to whichever environment they're in. Was there also a cultural difference after Denmark when you came to Switzerland? Oh, yeah. Like, big time. Can you tell about this more? (laughs) Probably, like, Danes are one of the most informal kind of people that I've ever met. Like, the the formal is not, um, it's not a value. Like, being formal is not something that anyone would salute you know and being okay. formal is just like okay now how about you now get down to earth and you talk to me like I'm your equal mm-hmm. like this will be a typical response of Dane if you are trying to be too formal for their taste okay. whereas here in Switzerland being formal is something that you encounter every step of your way you know the the officials are extremely formal the normal people are extremely formal and until they have a reason not to be formal with you unless they really see that it's becoming some sort of a friendship or relationship and they can drop the formal hat. But the formality is such a big deal here. You know, people call you by the last name, which would never happen in Denmark. You know? <laughs> Even if you like, go to a doctor's office, people would not call you by your last name. They would just call you by the first name, you know. And there's so many like little things, again, you know, that that just bring that formal aspect into your life, you know, that, that amount of paperwork, you know, that... <laughs> That moment of system is associated with it, like living here is associated with it. It's insane. So yeah, I think that, you know, for me it really took some time to become to be okay with that like formal side of um of communicating, of building life here. And that's not something that probably comes very naturally to me. Yeah. I still remember <laughs> after the being married. Uh, and they started for me like Frau Bertschmann. Huh? I really almost jumped every time they were yeah. telling me Frau Bertschmann. You're like, what? Who? <laughs> Several times my husband was also like, hey, my mom is not there, you know, like because I took his name. So when they were called me Frau Bertschmann, he thought that like for him, it's automatically it's his mom's like how they called <laughs> him, his mom. So, yeah, but it really felt that it's getting to another level when they tell you this. It's really like very formal, very polite they put in somehow a person on another level when they talk like this exactly exactly sometimes it's a little it feels nice sometimes you know when when especially you have sometimes different in the bureaucratic world like in russia when sometimes people in uh, some institutions they feel they hire somehow than you on the Mm -hmm. uh, level just because they work there and um yeah so sometimes to be formal and have this attitude, it's also quite pleasant thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, they come from a place where they just want to be polite and respectful. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's the best intentions behind that. It's yeah. just something that maybe was not was not a part of the culture that I, I, I was used to living here. Yeah. I also learned to appreciate certain aspects of that formality, um, but I do feel more relaxed yeah <laughs> but it's, it's a nice moment that you mentioned this one we didn't go deep yet about switzerland recording while recording uh, episodes it's a nice one to um also mention as you left estonia quite an early age and traveled so much how do you identify yourself 
what is your identity who are you from where are you yeah it's a very difficult question because uh, i really don't know even growing up in estonia i feel like all of us have such a mixed heritage you know so many people are bilingual so many people have parents grandparents from various countries that you can't really just call yourself estonian even if you're if you're born there or even if you grow up there so i think that even even still living there sometimes i would have difficulty identifying as something <laughs> do you feel you need to identify yourself i i find that sometimes you know people you meet want for you to identify with some particular like background or nationality because maybe it's easier for them to just like box people that way and and yeah. um, and then they have clarity about who's who exactly you know? to understand where is that in the system yeah 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 exactly so i find that like if i ever need to identify myself then it's just because it's driven by someone or something on the outside like if i need to fill a form and write down that i'm estonian you know then i have to do that obviously but the reality of that is that probably like it's it's not going to be accurate for any of us um yeah. you can take a dna test these days and you can see that actually your origins are from so many different places yeah i would be curious to do it it's still in my plan sometimes yeah, there are yeah. such surprises i think <laughs> yeah do that i think it's really fun to discover i got it for one of my birthdays so did you do it hmm? yeah. were there some surprises Yeah, there were actually some surprises. For example, I didn't realize that I have some of my DNA coming from the north of Finland. I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. And that's why you wanted to Scandinavia area, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then the rest, I guess, was primarily like covering the Baltic countries and then the area that is in between east and west europe so there's like multiple countries that were that were circled um i was hoping that i'm going to find something japanese because my grandmothers like my great grandmothers uh made a name out of little japanese so i was hoping that maybe there's something there and also the black hair but mm-hmm. <laughs> no it's all european through and through with like a little bit of not okay. but it's curious you know like none of us really have like one particular one particular set of roots you know we have yeah. so many so So how how do we compartmentalize our yeah. like genetic pool into just like one little box it's it's not going to happen exactly. and therefore i think that it's never going to be accurate and it's never really going to be true because even like looking back one to three generations is is like inevitably going to be a mix of different things you can't just be like one thing through and through yeah i think we're much more complex than <laughs> we think well when you write that credit for yeah and about identity i think that it's kind of hard with more and more getting older and having the you know the the package is bigger you know and the history is bigger of each person so yeah. meeting a new person and they trying exactly to identify who you are now but that's just a little time uh, frame because um you can be mom but before you were a b c d or like you already live without kids and they grow up but you something else so we change all the time with what we do with whom we are we it's always changing and it's hard to get give the whole picture of us to every person yeah absolutely absolutely yeah thank you very much um i got some new things to think about and um, quite good reflections on some new countries for our podcast thank you for being today with us Uh, we will hear us in a week. It was Inside the Tribe. Bye.